Somebody gave me this book called Lamanta Saper, an autobiography of his grandfather, Rav Mordechai Simcha. I'm going to tell you a little bit about who this man was so we understand where he's coming from, what he gave up in order to save souls, and we're going to also have instruction from the Chazanish, which is all very, very eye-opening. We have to understand this is somebody that was born before the Holocaust, and he was a masmid, and he went to Chachmi Lublin, and listened to a little bit of, of the biography of his life, and he was very humble. So this is probably the least of what he really was. In about three months, we covered a few hundred blot of Gemara with Rashi and Taisus, dozens of Simanim of Shulchan Aruch, as well as many chapters in the Rambam, and in Sifra Yura and Chasidus. It was like heaven on earth. This is part of his journey, okay? And another point in his life... We settled on an arrangement. We would rent a room near the base medrash of one of the Hasidim, which was called the Fifth Sinner Shtibel, okay, because the house number was 15. And as much as possible, this is a deal with him and his chavusa. This is the arrangement. We would learn there together, day and night. Only on Fridays, we would take a break to go to the mikvah. Meals were sent from a nearby kosher restaurant, and when the Hevra, his other Hevra people, heard about this plan because they were in the base Medrash, they made a big fuss because they felt that it would, it would disrupt the equilibrium of the base Medrash to have one of the best brachum taken out. Instead, they wanted us to strengthen the learning atmosphere by sitting in the base Medrash with them. They promised us that they would let us follow our regime, regime, regimen of constant learning from 10 to 16 hours a day with shiurim and chavrusas just as long as we wouldn't separate from them and go into what they called the cave of Rav Shimon Bayochai. They made every effort to persuade us, but our decision, on my part especially, was to stay with the plan that we made. There I sat day and night. This is a different part. While he's traveling, he was on the run. There I sat day and night studying page after page, chapter after page, chapter after chapter of the Rambam. At a different point, they, he went to Yeshiva's Chachme Lublin, and he got fahered on 200 blat in order to get in. He didn't end up going to the, to, to Chachme Lublin then, and he came back a while later. They allowed my beginner to be on the same 200 pages that I've been tested before, but they warned me that I would have to remember even the Taisvis just by the opening phrase, the Divriya Maskal alone. And you would have to remember what the Taisvis was. And the the test would be after one month. For me, this month was a time of encouragement and consolation after everything I've been through. Again, you read the story of what he's been through. You know, we think that like, you know, I mean, we need comfort and food and a place to sleep and a pillow and parents and it, maybe we'll learn. He had none of that. He's, he lived in a, he slept on a bench. He lived in a, in a nowhere. It was unbelievable. But here he had a month to prepare. This was a time of encouragement and consolation after everything I'd been through. I reviewed Gemara with Rashi and Taisus dozens of times in this way, the 200 blot. This is the way he did it. While I was learning the Gemara, I covered up the Taisus and repeated them by heart. While I was learning the Taisus, I covered the Gemara and repeated the Gemara by heart. Every few days, I asked people to test me on what I learned so far to see if I remembered the page, the place on the page, and for every topic they mentioned in the Gemara, I would see if I knew, if I remembered the Taisus by heart, if they prompted me with the opening words. You hear what we're dealing with? Okay. Now, this is all very important to understand the punchline, okay? Uh, next part. As it turned out, I slept, studied, and ate in the base medrash for nearly half a year until the time was ripe for me to live, leave Teretz Yisrael. This was this guy's life. One of the biggest, biggest uh, masmidim humanly possible in his level of learning. 
After a separation of decades, I once again met the Goyner of Pinchas Menachem Alter Shlita, who was at that point the Rosh Hashiva of Sosemis, and in the future became the, the, the Pnei Menachem, the Gai Rebbe. And when I met him, this is after a separation of decades, I asked him if Kvay Tarasai remembers me. Okay. And he said, what sort of question is that? You were my first commandant. Those of you who know, the way it works in Gare is everybody has like a commanding officer on top of them and then like a pyramid. That's how they know. So he was the Pnei Menachem's commandant. Okay. How great and holy could we possibly think of? And all he wanted to do is sit and learn Tyra. 16 hours, 18 hours a day. Came to Eretz Yisrael, there was a problem that there were souls that were being lost. Okay? To save as many as possible. It was a far greater duty and privilege to take action and organize all those who were still loyal to Hashem and His Torah in an effort to save whatever could be saved, whether by fighting against the forces of atheism or by bringing the spiritually wounded back to a life of Torah and mitzvahs. So all of a sudden, this Masmud Atzum, he leaves the base Medrash. He leaves what he loves, what he loves doing, because there are souls that need to be saved. I knew we must try to save them, so I called a meeting of all the Avrechim of the Shtibo. These are all the top learners to discuss the crisis and begin forming a plan. We decided that we should take the approach of Avram Avinu and do chesed physically and financially. In this way, we would compete. We could compete in some small measure with those who supplied the needs of the new Olim out of public funds. So he leaves. He leaves the Kaisle base Madrish, right? Because you got to save souls, and that's more important than my learning. Goes to the Chazanish. I traveled to Bnei Brak to take counsel from the Chazanish, and he answered me in these words. This is unbelievable. If anybody would say this, not the Chazanish, nobody would be able to understand. Nobody would follow this. Very few people. He said, Go to the Yeshivas and in my name ask the Rosh Yeshivas to give you the Bachrim that fill in the blank. I'll tell you what I would say. I'll tell you what I would say. That, um, listen, uh, every yeshiva has some bachim that are wasting time anyway. Right? Let them go do some mitzvahs. Let them go help you be makarv. Right? Who should you send out of the Kleisle Beis Medrash? The guys, right? He said the opposite. Tell them to give you the bachim that are dafka, the masmidim, the most diligent learners. Because they will take strong action, finish it quickly, and get back to their learning. Whereas batlanim, those who tend to waste time, will only hold things back from being accomplished quickly. So now he had a task to go to, imagine, you go to, 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 to all the yeshivas, right? you go to all the kailim, you go to BMG, and you go to Philly, and you go to whatever the names of your top yeshivas are. Say, I have a message from the Chazanish. I need you to empty out, to give me your top 20% masmidim. The yeshivas will go crazy. What are you talking about? My yeshiva is going to fall apart. You want my best guys, the guys who are holding up all the weaker ones and everything, with the feeling that the mitzvah of fulfilling the words of sages, mitzvah l'shmaya divrei chachamim, was even greater if done without delay. I immediately began going from yeshiva to yeshiva. And since a mitzvah is rewarded with another mitzvah, mitzvah gereris mitzvah, I received my reward right away. With Hashem's help, success shone upon me. Tens, perhaps hundreds of bachrim, the most diligent scholars in the yeshivas, came to join the effort to help me save souls.
Try this today. I gathered the Masmidim together and we held a rally, giving them a pep talk such as military officers give to their troops before battle. Okay. For several months, I continued to spend every other Shabbos at the transit camps. That's where these olim came in, and they were either going to be going to the schools that taught them how to be not religious and anti-religious, or they were going to be over here, maybe going to where he wanted them to go. So for several months, I continued to spend every other Shabbos at the transit camp. I had a wife and children who were left alone at home in Tel Aviv while I was at the camp, and I felt bad about it. My children were being raised without a father. My heart was telling me that maybe this is chas v'shalom, a mitzvah haba a mitzvah accomplished through a transgression, which is no mitzvah at all. Once while I was davening to myself, without a minion, you hear what we're talking about? He gave up davening with minion because he had to go to where he had to go to save souls. I prayed in my heart, Rabbi Shalom, I'm staying here for your glory, not for mine, on principle, because on Shabbos it's easier for me to exert a good influence on the children without interference, and therefore I pray and plead with you that since I am taking care of your children, please take care of my children, my wife and my children, and keep them well. And I can testify that this prayer of mine was answered. Give thanks to Hashem, Baruch Hashem, for He is good. What do we see from this? We have over here a masmid of the greatest masmidim, probably in our generation, I don't know if we have anybody who, who was like this. Someone who just sat and learned, didn't need anything, left the base medrash once a week to go to a mikvah, and that's it. There was times that he just ate and slept on a bench in the biggest masmid in the world. The kamadant, the head, the, the mashpia, the influencer of the Ger Rebbe's son at that time, who ended up being the Pnei Menachem, the Ger Rebbe, the holiest of the holiest. And he said it came to a point where I have to leave my learning. He was Mechaber Svarim. I have to stop everything because there are souls that we need to influence and we need to save. And the Chazanish tells him, go get all the Masmidim together because they're going to do a good job. They're not a battling. <laughs> They're going to take it seriously. They take learning seriously. They take Ratz and Hashem seriously. And he emptied out the yeshivas because we got to save lives and every minute counts. What would what would they say today? What would the Chazanish say today? Right now today, especially on Shabbos, in all the parks and all the lakes and all the 7-Elevens and gas in all the Jewish neighborhoods, there is dozens and dozens and dozens and hundreds and hundreds of kids that are rebelling and that are out there and they're struggling. And who's supposed to save them? The Batlanim or the Masmidim? So I would have said, tell the Masmidim, you sit and learn, right? And all the Batlanim come together. And, and in a way, I think Batlanim would do a better job, you know, to attract them. And, and Batlanim are, are maybe a more personality. And the Chazanish would say, no, 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 you send out the Masmidim. But I don't know who should go, but I, I think everybody needs to go. And everybody has to stop putting ourselves before saving other souls. How is what happened then different than what's happening now? They asked Reb Chaim Kanievsky, what's more important to do? Kirov Rechaikim, or what they call Kirov Kroivim, to go ahead and to be Makar of other people, or people outside who grew up not from, or our kids, Nabuch, to go off the Derech. I don't call it Kirov Kroivim. 
I call it Kirov of the Harbe Yoyse Rechaykim Mikola Rechaykim Sheba Elam. They are much, much further than some kid who wasn't traumatized or hurt in his mind from, from Yiddishkeit. Much easier to be Makarov. I, I did it with college kids in Samachaya. They come Shabbat. Shabbat is beautiful. And our kids, you know what they say? You know, you put on film, they feel, oh, felt something. Our kids are like, I'm not doing this. They're allergic. They're pained from it. They're disgusted. Nebuch from it. So it's, this is much harder. Much, much harder. And they asked Rabchaim Kanievsky. And he said, it's a bigger mitzvah to be Makar of those whose parents are from. Because it's a taiva to the, because those parents are crying. So besides for the neshama that you're bringing back, but these parents and grandparents, they're sitting there in so much pain. You're doing them a taiva. Anyway, that's what he said. So what, what are we doing? Now, we're not saying, obviously, that every from kid has to go out and leave yeshiva and go be makarv. And, and, and we're not chabad, so we're not sending out muftoyim of teenagers to go whatever. But what are we adults doing? We go to sleep Friday night. Why, why don't we gather together the troops? It's a lot easier than what he did. We could still daven with minion. We could still have delicious kosher foods. But after the meal, Friday nights, why don't we go out to the streets with an open heart, not to march out against them. You know, they were, there was some kind of a meeting that they wanted to shut down the park, right? And, uh, you know, force them to not be able to be in the park and borrow park. I'm like, first of all, that's a stupid idea. Second of all, what do you mean shut down the park? This is great. I want them all in one place. So much easier to find them. Hashem is saying, here, here you go. There's a park here. Open your heart. Close your brain. Stop thinking you're better than anybody. Start feeling like Hashem. Start feeling like we have to save souls. Do what works, which is Kirov. And they're all there. And from 100 kids or 200 kids, you'll get 5 or 10 that, that you're going to walk down to the chuppah because they, they were saved by you. And if everybody did that, yeah, we can swamp them. But not with anger. But why are we going to sleep at night? Why are we going to learn at night? I mean, that could ask your Rav, but why, why are we going to a shir when, when there's people drowning and could be saved with compassion and love? The whole street would change. The whole street would change. Everything would change. You go to the lakes in Lakewood and, and there's kids there and they're all there. Everybody should go. And if everybody goes and there's, there's 10 times of us than them and we are just smiling at them and saying, hey, what's doing? Yaakov, I remember you. No, I'm Jake. Okay, Jake, what's doing? Just be nice. Smile. Give him a hug. Invite him for a meal. In a year, it'll be empty, the lakes. Because these kids come back. They, they just want to be loved. They just want to be accepted. We're creating our own enemies by, by saying, kick Nish and look the other way. And we're worried about our kids. I was worried about my kids also. And he was worried about his kids. And he told you the, the medicine. Daven to Hashem. Daven to Hashem. Ignoring Hashem's kids is not going to make Hashem protect your kids. I, I, I was very scared also. I brought them into my house. You understand, for, for Yantif, Pesach Seder was, was my biological kids and my home sweet home kids. We went on Chalamite trips. They were always with us. And uh, uh, me and my friends, they were part of our families. Is it dangerous? Yes. And we daven to Hashem and thank God, Baruch Hashem, Hashem was good to us. But you're not going to lose out by being nice to Hashem. Reb Chaim Kanievsky said, you get a, a layer of protection. Whoever's good to God's children, Hashem is good to your children. And sometimes it's true that it doesn't look like it, but it's like every other school. We don't know what else would have happened. We have to believe. Either you believe or you don't believe. Bottom line is we believe. 
Zayar Kaddish says, Yuzaycha to Tanachas from your children, Yuzaycha Tanachas from your grandchildren. So many things that you're going to be protected from. And forget about those people that are worried. There are a lot of older people that don't have kids at home or during camp. Just If everybody does until that part that they're worried about, then the world would look different today. The world will look different today. We have to march out. We have to leave. And again, we don't all have to sacrifice everything. If everybody sacrificed half of what this man sacrificed, so you, you don't give up your learning time. Only give up your bittal time. But there, there's so much extra time, right? That 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 we we we, we as a community we have to save those who they're drowning. They're drowning and they're floating away from us or they're being pushed away from us and we have to use the tools that work and bring them back. And we can. We can save every single soul. And it's not 1947 or 1947, whenever this was. We have we have a lot of power now. There's a lot of us. We don't need Yechidim anymore like 20 years ago to be working the streets that are Yechidim Skula. Regular people. They were once regular. It was Zaycha somehow to a merit and they went out Friday nights, and they went out, and there was, there's some guys on Avenue M, they took care of the Ocean Parkway people, and they had a Friday night, they called it the chill, and there's places, there's certain Yechidei Segula, that had a heart for it. And they're, they're gonna be in Ilam Haba, on the highest levels, that's what the Zayara Kaddish says. But we need an army. There, there's no such thing as being a Jew and not fasting in Kippur. There's no such thing as being a Jew and ignoring Jewish people in your community, in your Dalar Amis, in your neighborhood, I'm not telling you to pick up and move to, um, you know, Siberia to find a Jew like Chabad does, which is so beautiful. I'm talking about convenient, comfortable, have your Suda Friday night, and then go out for a walk with your family, with you, or if you don't want your kid, with your friend, and go out to the, they're there, and just do it. I did it. I did it as a schuss. I always say this story. I'll say it again. We'll end with this. It's a true story. All my stories are true. I wanted a schuss before Rosh Hashanah. So I took my kids. This is Chinuch. I took my kids, 21-year-old, 17-year-old, approximately. I said, come after the meal, instead of doing nothing or going to sleep before Rosh Hashanah, or of course sitting and learning, right? Let's go do a mitzvah. What's the biggest mitzvah you can do? Zaira Kaddish says, the biggest mitzvah it says, if we would understand the schar of running after Hashem's children that are lost, we would run after it like a lion roaring, running after food. If we would understand what this means to Hashem, which is what Yiddishkeit is supposed to be, we would run after it. Kimirdaf, like, like a lion that's running. He says we would run after it like life itself. So imagine that you're allergic to something and, and you have some, you're allergic to nuts. And all of a sudden you go ahead and you eat something and you didn't know there's nuts inside and you need your EpiPen. You have uh, one minute or two minutes left until you're dead. And you're looking, we're running around. Where is it? Where is it? You remember it's in the car. You open up the door and, and someone's driving your car, just like leaving your driveway and, and going down the block. And you know in the car is your EpiPen and you have 40 seconds to live. What are you going to do? You're going to run after that car like your life depends on it because it does. Says the Zayar Kaddish, if you would know the schar that you're going to get for bringing back Hashem's children, you would run after it like you run, like a lion roaring after life itself. So, I went out, I, I, I can't do it as often as I should. It's, I'm sorry, that's wrong. I should do more. That's what I meant to say. I could do. I have to do more. 
And I went out to the park, and there's two parks. One of them has like 60 to 100 kids. The other one is smaller. So I took them to the smaller one. I didn't want to overwhelm them or myself. And there were about 10 boys, 10 girls, smoking. I sat next to one of them. Remember the story? I always tell the story. It's like unbelievable. And I sat down. I sat down at a table. My two boys were standing, one here and one here. And I sat next to this kid, 15-year-old kid, stoned, red eyes, drugs, alcohol. And I started what's, you know, schmoozing, just being nice, you know, just remove judgment and just, how are you doing? Where are you from? Oh, you live here? Oh, what's doing that? And then all of a sudden, another one dr- drifted over, and then a few drifted over. Before I knew it, after a few minutes, I was surrounded by a bunch of them. Because they, they were like, they wanted to see what's happening here. There's a guy talking to us, interested, interested in us. One of them was just like 17 and a half, 18 years old, just got out of jail. I looked at this kid, he was standing behind me on that side. I said, like, he doesn't look like a monster. He doesn't look like, he broke into his home because his parents locked him out, threw him out, and they had an order of protection or whatever against him. He broke into his home to get money or whatever something. I think maybe his license or his passport, whatever. So they called the police and they put him in jail. And I'm looking at this kid who looks like a yummy, delicious kid. I call them puppies. I wanted to adopt all of them. I should have. They would all be from today. If we adopt them, they'll all be from, not even a question. None of them were, none of them are bad. They're going through terrible, terrible things. None of them are bad. They have a lot of initials after their name. ADD, ADHD, OCD, BPD, MP3, JFK, but not BAD. They're not bad. Anyway, after a few minutes, I'm schmoozing with them, he turns to me and he says, hey, one second, wait a minute. Why are you being nice to us? Everybody hates us. That's their perception. Yeah, they see that we're walking and we're like trying to block our kids from seeing them or we're seeing kicknish or we're going... They see it. Why are you being nice to us? Everybody hates us. That's their perception. That need, that needs to change. Anyway, remember the story? I was wearing glasses. And I turned to him, and I don't know why I did this. This is the strangest thing I have ever done. And I've done a lot of strange things. I took off my glasses and I said, look into my eyes. What do you see? It's strange because like, I have no idea why I said those words. It's like, mom is like, who says that? He looks in my eyes with drunken eyes. You don't need to go to a chacham. The eyes are the gateway of the soul. He looks in my eyes. This is a real story. And he says, you're a good guy. You don't hate us. He was able to see my, my neshama. He was able to see my... I, it's true. I don't know him. How can I hate him? I got to get to know you before I hate you. To me, you just look like a, like a, like a, a lost kid. It could have been me. Why do we think that, that we're any better? Would we want to come back as a gilgal like them? Do we think we could do better with uh, than they did in their life? Like, it's so foolish. Why are we looking down at them? You're not a bad guy. You don't hate us. Boom, I was in.